Okay, cool. Um, so we'll just like to acknowledge that um, we're currently meeting on Ngunnawal land and that sovereignty was never ceded. Um, we'd also like to thank um, elders past, present and emerging for allowing us to sort of like be able to meet on this land, et cetera, have these conversations, et cetera. Um, so yeah, this week we're talking about burnout. Woo! Seems timely. Week six. <laughs> week six. We're both burnt out. Sinead's busy with <laughs> Anusa elections. I'm busy with, I was busy this today. Um, that's why we're recording really late. It's six o'clock right now. Um, I My charger broke, like it broke in a really, really bad way. And my computer was down to zero percent. And I was freaking out because I put in an order for a new charger and it was only going to come in like three to seven business days. And I'm like, that's not like definite enough for me to be able to not freak out. And with assignment grooming, it's very hard. Yeah. And those big boy fifth year law assignments, I'm sure must be fun. So fun. I specifically, but I think what really helped me um, over the years is learning that instead of choosing classes for what I think the content's going to be about, looking at the assessments. Assessments. I do the same thing. No, I literally, I do this as well. I always check the assessments before I take a course. And then I'm like, nah, like if, if the assessment is literally, so I'm really shit with, excuse my language, but I'm really shit with essays. So like if a course, I, if I see a course has like 10% participation and then a 40% essay and a 50% essay, I'm like, absolutely not like yeah I am not taking that course like um, I'm taking I took a course this semester literally just because two of my fr- three of my friends were taking it and then it like the assessment was to take home exams and four quizzes and I'm like fuck yeah yeah quizzes are really good um love take home exams love like multi-choice but I think that's also another thing about burnout is that one good way to prevent it is learning like it can be a little bit hard in first year, but I think sort of like learning your limits and knowing your limits um, and what you feel perfectly capable of doing and feeling confident about doing and the amount that you take on. And so looking at assessments before you choose a course is really helpful with that. It also sets your expectations for the year. So when you decide on like however many courses you're doing, um, looking at the assessments and going like, okay, well, I know roughly the structure of this semester and how it's going to go and what I can possibly achieve. Like for me, I can do essays, but if it's like 3000 word plus essay, I'm just like, no, I'm not doing that course. I don't, I don't I have the focus for that shit. I accidentally did a 3,500 word one and that was a nightmare. So know, my, know your limits, know what you're good at, know what you can get done with as little amount of effort as possible while still enjoying the course. I think that is a good way to choose a course. <laughs> Because you don't want yeah. to do too much. And avoiding huddle is- assessments help as well. Yeah, no, 100%. And then, like, a life hack hurdle with that one as well is sometimes, like, if you know you have to take a course, like a compulsory course, line it up with, like, some courses that are going to be, like, super easy or, like, a bludge course, right? Like, I have to take – so 
I have to take ideas in politics next semester. Technically, I was supposed to take it last semester, but I dropped it because I was burnt out. <laughs> um, uh, so I have to take it next semester. And uh, because I have to take it, I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to schedule a first year elective that only has two assessments in, in, like, in with it, even though I'm not that interested in the course material because I know I can get a good mark. Um, and that's how you save your GPA uh, if you are a neurodivergent person. Or just in general. I think that's good general advice, I think. Yeah. But anyway, that's how you do it. Don't Neither of us are um, neurotypical, so we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um Sinead's advice on keeping a good GPA whilst being neurodivergent is just scam the fucking system. Like yeah. legit. I like again, love very scammy move from me here. So you know how that you always get, sorry if I'm calling anyone out here, but you know how you always get those puritanical people in like the ANU confessions comments where they're like, you shouldn't be looking for a bludge course. Like you shouldn't be doing that. And I'm like, get away from me. Like I'm just here to get my degree. Like I don't want to be a professor. I just want a degree that'll get me a job. Don't know why I chose to study arts then, but that's my bad. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, like the other thing I would say is like last semester, right, when we still had, when we had, or not last semester, this time last year when we had CRS, which is why I'm mentioning it now, is I took a bunch of like harder upper level courses that like were, you know, like I shouldn't have taken in my first year, I was supposed to take now. Um, and I took them then because we still had CRS so I could maintain that GPA. So it's like hat less stressed also we still have CRS this semester so if anyone listening feels a little bit panicked just aim for a pass it's troubling times and you don't have to affect your GPA obviously that's like withstanding the understanding that like having CRS can influence like employer decisions whatever but at the end of the day you're living for you you're not living for your employer your employer can go suck it like potential yeah. employees can go suck it if they don't appreciate that you're looking after your well-being because ultimately that would benefit them. So if you could you could spin it in that way if you wanted to and they ask, oh, why did you choose CRS? And you could be like, well, I wanted to focus on myself and my well-being because I believe that will lead to greater productivity or lead to better results, etc. And then you can do a boom boom. There's always a good spin, There's always a good spin hmm. for something. The other thing I'd say as well is um, it's equal pay day. Fun facts, 31st of August, it is equal pay day. So this is my quick shout out to direct action. Pay your female employees more than your male employees. Don't take a job where you're being paid the same as your male counterpart, ladies. Um, get paid more. Direct action. Do it. Do it. Acknowledge that you have the same capabilities or more and that the barriers you face actually make it a little bit harder for you. Um, so, yeah, what is burnout? Um, I read this blog just before this. It's called This is Karma because I wanted to be like, ooh, we're, we're like real professionals. We actually do research before we delve into our topics. Which we just never rocking do. up with the vibes. We just walk <laughs> out with vibes, honestly. Um but I found this blog and it basically said that there's been like a 24% increase in burnout rates uh. over the course of the pandemic so far. Um, and so obviously this is an issue that targets everyone. It's not just neurodivergent people, it's literally everyone. And we see this during exam times a lot, like ANU counseling has been overloaded every year with the fact that their max capacity with their counselors and a lot of people experience heavy burnout, especially 
mid to late of the mid to late semester. Um, so they also identified in this blog um, five different stages of burnout. There's the honeymoon stage, onset stress, chronic stress, burnout, and habitual burnout. So I guess in this podcast, we sort of want to help you identify where you are in the stages of burnout and how to easily rectify it before you get to habitual burnout, because that is really hard to get out of. Um, so I guess in terms of like honeymoon stage, it's where your motivation is at peak. Honeymoon stage is not really burnout. It's sort of like pre-burnout. It's yeah. like, oh, I'm really enjoying this. I feel motivated. I get things done on time. Um, I'm not stressed. I really enjoy what I'm doing. Um, onset stress is sort of where I think a lot of people struggle identifying the markers for burnout. And so it sort of presents itself like, um, I didn't write this down, so I'm just going to go off the cuff of my head. Um, onset stress is sort of like starting to avoid tasks. Like when you start procrastinating something, that's usually a sign that you're lacking the motivation and lacking the dopamine, the amount of dopamine rush that you would normally get from doing something. Um, and you put it off. If you put something off multiple times or you feel overwhelmed thinking about it. So you're like, that's for later cat. <laughs> she can deal with that at another time. Um, this is a, or as I like to say, this is future Sinead's problem. Hmm. When you start saying like, this is future me's problem. And when you start like just straight up avoiding things because you like feel really stressed thinking about it. When you feel like a lot of anxiety and as you have a lot of guilt associated with the action of actually doing the thing or not doing the thing and you're constantly thinking about it, that's sort of when it starts to feel, that's when you're starting to be burnt out, I would say. Yeah. And then obviously chronic stress is when it's all the time, every time, sort of like what we talked about in our OCD episode last week having those intrusive thoughts. So in this case, it would just be like constantly thinking about your work, even when you're not working on it. Constantly having, like having nightmares about your tasks, I would say is I'm definitely- I'm gonna be real with you, Chief. I've probably been at chronic stress for like a year now. Yep, same. I think it's really, <laughs> it's especially really hard during lockdown because um, if you're at home and your home is both your environment for relaxation and it's also your place for work and study. It's very hard to separate those three things. Like I remember my parents read something ages ago um, about how having like your desk or your study space in your bedroom is a really, really bad idea because it means by the time you get to like get to sleep or want to go to sleep, you're just like, no, this is also my study space. And you start thinking about study things. So having yeah, there's like, a, there's like yeah. a connection there, I think. Yeah, I've also read that. And hence, I'm just going to give Kat a little show. I got a double desk for me and my roommate and it's in our living room. Bless. That's so smart. Um, I like to go... I like to go out of my bedroom and into the dining room as well. I feel like if you live in a small apartment or a share house, go outside of your room and study there. Um, if you're able to have a garden or something like that, or I really like balconies. I feel like balconies are good, but I would keep balconies for relaxation, personally. I've got a little courtyard, which is nice. Yeah. So if you can mi maximise your use of space um, as much as you can during lockdown, that can be really helpful. 
Um, I find it's a little bit hard sometimes studying in the same environment as other people. Mm. I find that so much. I think that might be the ADHD. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It might be ADHD. Uh, There's this photo of me. Sorry, I know this is completely unrelated, but there's this photo of me from like exam period, like second semester last year when me and Bella used to go to like bottom floor chiefly all the time. And um, there's just this photo of me and I put up this sign like next to me so Bella could see it. I was like, please do not talk to me. I will talk, I will like chat with you for hours and get no work done. (laughs) Yeah, that's me all the time. Unless I'm studying by myself and surrounded by other people, I can do that. Just not if we're both studying. I hate it when other people are studying around me. It freaks me out. It gives me more stress because I'm like, oh, they're doing work. Why aren't I doing enough work? Why can't I do the same amount of work as they are? And I start comparing myself to the amount of progress they've made. Um, But I find in those sort of situations, what helps if you find it hard to study in the physical environment of other people is organizing with your housemates, maybe like, what times you guys are going to be studying so then sort of like sectioning it off maybe you're not like oh I have the first half of the day and you can have the last half figure it around your like different schedules so like um if they're having a break then you can study when you're having a break they can study and sort of organizing it like that instead throughout the day so that makes it a little bit easier yeah this isn't so much I always find like I know this is obviously won't be helpful for everyone but having a new space did really help me like I so when I was in high school I like fully padlocked myself I was like I will leave the house to study and that is the only way I can get study done if I am at home home is my rest place and outside is study place yeah so like I was like I couldn't stay at home at all yeah which is like oh sorry Sorry. okay Oh, sure. Um, so when I like went, so I went home for COVID because I was only like itty bitty first year. I'd been here for a month and then I had to go home. Um, and so I went home for COVID and um, I obviously had to study from home. I had to learn how to do it. And my coping mechanism for that, because I couldn't study with my parents around because my parent having my parents around meant relax. And so I couldn't study with my parents around. So my coping mechanism was I had to study after they went to bed, which meant I did like my, the, almost the entirety of my first semester on very little sleep because I was, I was living practically on a nocturnal schedule to get my assessments done because I couldn't study in the day, which like was fucked, but yeah I don't know that's probably not a healthy coping mechanism but I thought I'd share (laughs) yeah no I get the same thing like if my housemates here what I usually do is I set up like a fake desk in my bedroom which sort of I'm trying to associate with my mind that the desk itself is my study area (laughs) um designated study area in my room so if I put away the desk it becomes relaxation time so I think ascribing certain um attributes or feeling or environments to certain things might help as well if you have to study in an environment that is usually meant for relaxing otherwise usually what I do is I wait until my housemate's gone from the general area and then I start studying because I have some making it like some techniques that I do while I'm studying like a lot of fidgeting that I feel like would annoy her otherwise um yeah so I think with the five stages of burnout. Sorry, what, we got up to chronic stress. Yeah, we got up to chronic stress. So chronic stress is when it's like 
all the time, it's starting to inhibit you from being able to complete anything else. It's when it starts being really, really debilitating. Um, and that's why it's chronic. It's every it's ever present and it's always there. Um, which is how I would describe chronic things. It's just always there, hard to get rid of, super debilitating. Um, so then you reach burnout, which I would say is just sort of a carry on from chronic stress, but it's gone to the stage where you are actually incapable of doing the task as well. You're incapable of doing things to relax. And so it's when things that you would usually do to relax don't relax you or you're unable to do them. Um, it's the stage where um, when you procrastinate, usually you do some other things, but you can't even do them anymore. Mm. And it's gotten to the point where you literally just sit around and just stress all the time and you can't get anything done, um, regardless of what the activity is. So even if it's an activity that you usually enjoy doing, you're just like, I can't fucking do this, even as a procrastination technique. Yeah. Um, and our goal with this episode, I think, is to help you recognize um, the first three stages before you reach the stage, because it's really, really hard to get out of it. The only way that I know how to get out of actually being burnt out is having <laughs> breaks, like having the semester break, having a vacation. Yeah, I would agree with that. And so, yeah. like, I was in a meeting before I came to this. I'm always in meetings. My entire life is just emails and meetings. Um, but so I was in a meeting before this and I was talking to my friend Sam and, um, like, I was like, I'm going to record my podcast after this. Do you have any thoughts for me? And she said to me, like, pretty much exactly the same thing. Like, the only way that you can really recover from burnout is by, like, legitimately taking, like, either, like, fully, like, it's a large amount of time off of like everything or like significantly lightening your workload, which like I would hundred percent agree with. Like there have been points in my life where I was like, so like the worst burnout I've ever probably experienced was in my first year of HSC. So for those of you who don't know, or Kat, are you from New South Wales or are you from Victoria? I'm from Victoria, but HSC is sort of like VC for people from Victoria. Yeah. Yeah, so instead of doing one year of HSC like normal people, my school does two years of HSC where you do half of the subjects in your first year and half of them in your second year. So in my first year, I was sitting half around of HSC. And this really, really works for some people because there's less, like, there's less exams at the end of the year. You're doing a subject more intensely, which is actually quite good prep for uni because you're doing it in a similar intensity that you'd be doing uni work, which was really good for me. But I personally didn't like it. And I think I would have gotten better results if I'd done normal HSC um, because like I just got so burnt out in my first year because I was doing HSC level subjects at the age of 16 and like I just couldn't handle it. And I burnt myself out so much that I had to take almost four weeks off school, like four weeks, like in a like four week period, I think I went to school maybe twice um and I ended up both having to do that and dropping a subject like a HSC subject which I still kind of regret because I had the highest average in the class and it was like a maths subject so it would have dragged me up um but yeah so like 
legitimately like sometimes the only way you can recover from burnout is do something drastic and at the time there were teachers who like kind of tried to dissuade me from the decision because they're like Sinead like your average in this class is so good and like it was two weeks before trials and they're like it's two weeks before trials why would you drop it now and I was like babes I just got up (laughs) I just gotta do it that's very fair but I think like what's really important as well is knowing that it's okay to just drop things like we were talking earlier before we started recording um, about dropping courses and it's completely normal to drop courses. I haven't done it, but I really probably should have, especially this one time um, in sec- at the end of second year. So I've been in hos- <laughs> content warning hospitals. Um, I've been in hospital at least once every semester that I've been at uni and I've been at uni for around like this is my 10th semester. Um, so hospitals now like my second home but um, in second year I tripped over a chair and I got this really bad concussion because I landed on my face it's really Uh, stupid and when I tell it it's sort of funny because you imagine like me just chatting to someone turning around tripping over a chair and I couldn't get my arms out because it was stuck behind the chair and so I just fell on my face Um, and I had memory loss difficulty concentrating which I already do from ADHD um blood vision double vision headaches migraines etc etc nausea all the all the good shit that comes with concussions especially really bad ones um I didn't start recovering until eight weeks later was when I started feeling a little bit better um and the reason for this was because the concussion happened the Thursday before semester two started and I didn't want to like drop out of the semester so I decided to just keep pushing through and because I did that like the symptoms stayed for longer I think if I just took a little bit of a break that I would have recovered a lot sooner I would have done a lot better that semester I didn't do that well um and stuff like that that's yeah. how it is with now too right like if you keep hmm. trying to push through it it just makes it worse and last longer like obviously that's a very specific real medical injury but like but like we shouldn't treat mental or like mental health decay differently from physical health decay, you know? 100%, yeah. Like, so, yeah, treat burnout as if you've got a really bad concussion. Because <laughs> burnout can have physical, really bad physical symptoms as well. A lot of migraines, a lot of headaches. You can experience nausea because of the stress, weight loss, weight gain. A gross one from me is I got quite bad eczema when I got super burnt out. Hmm. Eczema, extreme fatigue is a really big one as well. Like so much can happen to your body as a result and it can demotivate you even more experiencing the symptoms um, and perpetuates that cycle of burnout as well. So like, yeah, I don't know. I think like the biggest burnout I had was sometime last year. I can't remember the details, but I just remember like within the first, or maybe it was at the start of this year. Yeah, because I didn't really have a break. It didn't feel like I had a break because I had a summer course. Also, take summer courses and winter courses when you want to, but don't do it at the expense of your own health as well. Because I feel like summer and winter break are the times where I can really refresh myself because you have literally zero things to do. and you can focus on other things in your life and try and get a routine going on with other things. Yeah. Um, I think that's really useful, but like sometimes doing a summer course 
And then jumping straight back into the semester again means you have zero time to just relax. And that can be really stressful. Like relaxing in between assessments is fine, but you need a big relaxation break and just time away from everything, anything that could be stressing you. And that can really, really help. Um, yeah, and then there's habitual burnout, which just means that you can't get rid of it. It's just become second nature to you. Um, it's induced other mental illnesses like anxiety, depression, and it can actually lead to really, really devastating things that just become part of you. And that's when, like, try not to get to the point where you get to a habitual burnout because then it's sort of, it becomes really, really, really hard to step away from everything um, that's stressing you because everything at that point is stressing you. Yeah, so we did talk a little bit about our strategies for dealing with burnout anyway, but did we want to like add any more to that? Um, strategies for dealing with burnout. I think for me, like this sounds really dumb, but for me, like planning is a huge, huge one. Like I know that people are always like, you can't schedule burnout, Sinead. But I'm kind of of the belief that you can, like, a little bit. Like, if you know yourself well enough, you kind of can. Like, I think, like, don't, obviously, like, I am not a mental health professional and I don't know how healthy this advice is. I'm more giving advice for people who live a lifestyle like I do, which is very much like, for those of you who don't know me, I'm a very much all go all the time kind of person. Over like. <laughs> Over, very overcommitted and I, I thrive that way I do thrive when I'm overcommitted um but that requires an intense amount of scheduling and like I guess attention to my schedule to like make sure that I don't burn myself out like I can't just go from one thing to the other to the other I have to know what's coming which kind of helps me like prevent burnout a little bit because I also have to plan for breaks so like for example I don't know if I'm allowed to mention this I don't think it's an electoral violation or anything but content warning Anusa elections I'm running in them um, and because I knew that running in them was going to be a massive feat for me, I've now scheduled like a week of leave from work after like the week after elections, because I was like, which is also happens to be the first week of uni break, which is good. Like that coincides and lines up quite well, because I'm just going to have nothing to do. So like, I'm just going to like take a week and just sit, which means I can like take that week off and then come back better to like plan for what I need to do. So if you can catch yourself in those, like sec what was the second stage before chronic stress? Um, onset stress yeah if you can catch yourself in that onset stress phase which I'm gonna be real with you is like kind like I'm probably kind of past that now but I'm like I, I live a little bit like that but um you know like most people if you can catch yourself in that onset stress period and make sure you relax as often as enough as you need I like I, I think you can manage burnout a little bit better if you're burnout prone which like a lot of neurodivergent people are especially people with ADHD um and like I know I'm super prone to burnout like I like I, I often lie and I'm like oh I, I don't burn out I just I, I'm a phoenix I rise from the ashes um which like it, it's kind of true I guess but like I it's more just that like I know I know when I, I can feel the onset of burnout and I've gone to enough therapy to have the coping mechanisms in place to know the symptoms and know how to deal with that because I want to lead a high-stress lifestyle. I don't know why, I just do. 
sort of sadistic of you, but I get that. Like me in high school, I didn't have any time to eat any recess or any lunch. So I would have to eat it either during class or back at home. Like I could had no time to eat because all I did was join every single club, like every single club that you can name from my high school. I was pretty much a part of, except for various sports ones. I was only like a part of two sports things, but that's okay. Like I was part of every single like nerdy shit you could think of. Um, (laughs) Cause I was a nerd. Um, I still am, but I found that going to uni has helped me learn how to relax myself a little bit um, and choose very specific things that I wanted to do. But I think like what you mentioned was really good, like scheduling, but like scheduling times for relaxation and dealing with burnout itself. Um, In addition to just scheduling meetings, also just like putting in goalposts, I think really help because Mm -hmm. if you are experiencing the onset of burnout, you find that you're just like in a cycle of going, 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 and you're sort of blind, blindly just going into things, blindly just things. Like on like the goalpost thing, I 100% agree. Like if you can like, like make goals, but also like on top of that, like feel free to change the goalposts, right? Like if I have an assessment due, I'll usually start out like a week. So I have an assessment that's due in a week. It's 12,500 word essay. And I know that I have like seven days to complete that. So like my goal for tomorrow is to write 300 words of this assessment. But like I could conceivably not do that and move the goalposts to be like write 100 words if that's all I feel like doing because I have the time to do that. And, you know, like that would be my other thing as well because planning allows for you to like make goalposts, but also if you're feeling extra burnout to be able to change them. Like as much as like this is definitely advice for like 17 slash 18 year old Sinead, which is like there is no getting around burnout without rest. Like I think that like, my biggest advice for like younger me and also like you, if you're like younger me, I say this like I'm an old person. I'm 19. Um, <laughs> but um, Sinead's just talking about last year at this point. <laughs> last year in my, my year 12. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, my advice for her would be like, yeah, like the way around burnout is actually to rest. Like there is no way out other than just to rest and you can either schedule that rest when it will help you or you can be forced to take it all at once after you burn yourself out. That's your choice. Yeah, And it really depends, I think, on how you burn out, how you deal with stress. So like for me, I'm the sort of person who can't just like schedule in those little burnout relaxation moments, mainly because I find it one of my things is that I find it really really hard to start things back up again once I've stopped Mm -hmm. so if I've got the momentum I need to just keep going with the momentum um and it's easier for me to go like okay here's my goalpost I've reached a goalpost now I'm going to set the goalpost even further so I can reach that goalpost in the same time and it's sort of like when I used to like do my readings what I would do is like read like a paragraph I'll be like okay just read this paragraph read this paragraph and you're done. And then once I get to the end of the paragraph, I'm like, okay, just read a paragraph and you're done. And that really helped me get through things. Um, Also just knowing that like, I just got to make it to this end really helped me. This is so good. This is so good because we have like opposite techniques for dealing with burnout. So I think there'll be something in the middle of us for everyone. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I'm just like, okay, I just got to make it to mid-sem break. Like this entire semester. 
this entire half of semester I'm just like just got to make it to mid-sem break and then I can like put a pause and then relax and then keep going um I find that really helps me especially from like I used to be part of swim squads a lot of swim squads so that sort of thinking really helped me in, in terms of going like okay I just got to make this many meters and that's like 200 meters and I'm like that's two lots of 100 meters that's four lots of 50 meters I can definitely do 50 meters so at each end of 50 meters I'm like only like three more 50 meters to go and I found that really helped me get to the point where I could relax and feel comfortable relaxing smaller manageable tasks yeah exactly um I think breaking it breaking like long-term goals or long-term tasks into smaller bite-sized pieces really helps um also in terms of like scheduling if you're someone who likes scheduling or you, you go like okay, at this point, I will schedule it, or you want to schedule your tasks themselves, I find it's really useful to add in buffer zones. It's really important to add in buffer zones. Um, buffer zones will, like, they can be, like, a few days or something, but it means that if you are unable to do a certain amount within a certain day and you freak out because you're like, now I have to do even more the next day to make up for it, you have that buffer zone where you're like, no, actually, I can just delegate it to a random different day that I have spare and having days spare to work on something on top of what you think you'll need or what you know you'll need is very very helpful for that because it means that you don't overload yourself the next day as well and you can just have an entirely separate day where you do even less work than you did the previous days yeah no 100 percent. yeah and I think like that's that's kind of what it's about right it's like I'm kind of of the belief like I feel like I'm about to get cancelled um but sometimes when people say stuff to me I'm like sometimes you just gotta do it you know what I mean like that sounds really awful but like sometimes like I don't know I'm more talking like this is obviously like like a friend capacity like sometimes friends will come to me be like Sinead I have this 3,000 word essay due what do I do and I'm like you just got to write it. Like, I'm sorry. You just got to do it. Like, it's not going to get done otherwise. But I think that like the way to do that is to break it down into more manageable tasks and have those buffer zones to give yourself rest. Yeah. Like thinking about a 3000 word essay is fucking terrifying. So I'm never going to say to someone, you just have to do it. Like, even though that's sometimes what I'm, sometimes what I'm thinking, because I'm a little bit mean. Um, but like, yeah, like I'm never going to sit down and say to someone, you just have to do it because that's fucking terrifying. Of course, thinking about it is going to burn you out. Like, yeah, you're never going to be able to do that. Like when I have a 3000 word essay, I'm like, all right, I just have to write 300 words 10 times. Like that's like 10 paragraphs. That's fine. I can do like that. 300 words. That's only like a few sentences. That's fine. That's doable. Um, yeah. And like how I go about it as well in terms of like, tackling big tasks like that is sort of like when you're procrastinating or want to procrastinate procrastinate by doing something that contributes to the task so the at task. The end, yeah so that you don't have to feel guilty about it because you're like no I'm doing something that will positively like push me towards my goal of finishing this task um what I do is I write a fuck ton of essay plans so I think my mm. essay structure and the way that I tackle essays really helps me particularly with 
delegating myself tasks. So what I do is I set out like a skeleton structure, like a really bare bones skeleton structure, just going like intro. I just write intro. How many words do I want to dedicate to an intro? My body paragraphs. What are the vague topics that I want to discuss in my body paragraphs and the word, amount of words I want to put towards it? And then conclusion. How many words do I want to put to my conclusion? And that is my bare bones structure. That's essay plan one done. And now I have a vague idea of how I want to tackle it. Um, and then when I go back to it, I go, okay, what, what exactly am I adding in my intro? And I just put in like background context, um, <laughs> signpost. And then with the signpost, because you always have to signpost in intros, I highly recommend it. Mm. First, it like makes your essays really clear and coherent. It also like, and it also just like, fills out room in your intro so you just spend a lot of random words talking about what you're going to be talking about and that's good because you know that shit off the bat um and just doing that and then going into my body paragraphs I just go here's the topic sentence I want to use what sort of random ideas do I have about this and then eventually making more essay plans that become more and more like an essay itself and I write everything in bullet points. I think writing in bullet points really, really helps. Some people say, yeah, no. I say bullet points because at least you've got random ideas and then you can restructure them. You can cut, you can cut and paste them in within your body paragraphs to make them make more sense and make it flow better. But you don't have to have a coherent thought pattern. You can just splurge it all out and go, okay, now what's useful from this? And I think that's a really useful way of going about it. It also makes it easier for cutting later on. Like when you're editing your essay and you're like, oh no, I'm a thousand words over. You won't get to that point because you've yeah. set it up so that you have all the information you need already within your planning stage. And so when you actually write it and make it sound nice, you don't have to get rid of anything really. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Wow. We should start, we should start our own version of academic skills. We really should um academic people. skills for ADHD people <laughs> but yeah like I think that has really helped me something that I watched in a TikTok as well um I watched this TikTok and this dude was like talking about burnout or like how to stay motivated on tasks and what he said was um someone told him to treat life like a video game yes I haven't seen this TikTok but I have a similar version mine is like <laughs> So I actually kind of half picked this up a little bit from my friend Chelsea. Shout out to Chelsea if you're listening. Shout out to Chelsea. Um, um, but um, so Chelsea's my friend and Chelsea's just like the main character of the friend group. You all, we all have those friends who are just like the main character, right? Like Chelsea's the main character. Um, and like I just picked up this like life skill of like I'm the main character. This is my movie. Like if I think like whenever I think about having to sit down and study and I don't want to do it I'm like imagine like a little study scene in like I'm like in like a movie you know like you're at a university you're at a university campus like you're a fucking uni student romanticize your life like that's how I get shit done by romanticizing your life yeah that's, yeah literally that's a cool tactic though it's sort of like going like well what would I like if I was to watch this movie what, what would I want to see what would the montage scene look like exactly that's how I like legitimately how I motivate myself I know it's super nerdy but like whatever yeah with the video game thing it's sort of like 
going like everything that you do towards being a functioning human basically it's like plus you're leveling up in experience right so every time that you wake up every time that you go shower you're plus wanting your experience you're plus wanting your skill set right like you have more experience showering now because you've gone showering (laughs) that sort of thing so sort of like applying that to task as well sort of being like well like just going like okay well of plus one writing out about the thing reading the outline assessment like outline criteria thing um looking at the rubric that's a plus one and everything every time that you add a plus one it's sort of like a dopamine rush because you're like oh my god I'm becoming more skilled I can't wait to level up as a human you know um, and with every task that you do, you're leveling up as a human. And I think that's a really cool, positive way to look at it. Look at tasks. Yeah. Um, and also it means that when you take your relaxation time or take time away from doing these tasks, you can be like, I'm plus wanting my health. Mm. I'm plus wanting um plus one mental stability. Yeah. Plus one food and stomach. Yeah. Plus one rest, <laughs> plus one sleep plus one motivation like I think it's a really good way to deal with it um yeah no, 100%. I'm looking at our short-term solutions list yeah so um prior to this I had a look, little peep at um the questions that yeah, we got trying to be professional. I'm trying to be professional um well four episodes in so I thought maybe we should <laughs> so I wrote down a few short-term solutions I like dot pointing things I love dot pointing things. If you see anything that I've ever written, everything's in dot points. I very rarely write out whole sentences unless I have to. Everything lives in dot points. And I like having little sections of random things that sort of correlate in dot points on the same page. So I can sort of see like how to link them up. Um, But short-term solutions, um, we could do relaxation techniques. So I think relaxation techniques for me are like meditation, um mindfulness practices breathing techniques and grounding so it's sort of being more in tune with your body and going like okay time to be present not in my task not in anything I have to do but just in being and acknowledging and being aware of being so sort of like breathing techniques tend to be just like looking around a room and like counting in fours breathing in counting in fours breathing out um but I personally like grounding for it sort of like just being more aware of your place at that time within your environment being like I can feel my I'm aware of my feet on the ground I can feel my heartbeat um I can feel the air on my skin sort of thing clothing on my skin and acknowledging your awareness I think is a really important part of relaxing yeah like Um, I I really like I really struggle with traditional meditation medication I do medication also um but I really struggle with like traditional meditation I had this teacher in like the early years of high school who like god I hope he's not listening to this um but I had who like used to take teach this like mindfulness thinking and philosophy class. It was just the worst thing I had ever experienced. And I because I like it was literally just you had to like sit still for like 20 minutes while he like introduced this class to like meditation. It's like middle-aged white dude. And I was like, babe, 
Um, but anyway, so like I really struggle with traditional meditation because of that. But something I've found really, really helpful is like reminding myself to like feel my body because like, I'm not sure if this is just a me thing or if it is an ADHD thing, but I really struggle to like know what's going on with my body and know what my body needs. Like I can like, there's like a mental block in understanding what my body wants from me. It's like, I am simultaneously a parent and a small child that can't communicate what it needs. And so I have to like sometimes sit down and ask myself, all right, like, what are you feeling? Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Are you sick? Do you need exercise? Like what? It's like I'm training a little puppy dog. And I think that like, that's kind of my version of mindfulness in that way. Like, I think that I, cause I really struggle to be like, mindful with my surroundings I tend to like be like okay like are you hot are you cold like people always ask me are you hot or cold like like I'll go outside like dress like this for those who can't see me I'm just wearing like a massive fuck off jumper and like little shorts um and people will be like aren't your legs cold and I'm like honestly I can't feel them like <laughs> but yeah like so I think I try really really hard to like be mindful in my body and like actually understand what my body needs because otherwise I just won't treat it well yeah and it's and like relaxation is sort of getting out of your head and into your body. So for some people, like it might not just be like meditation or whatever. It might be going for a run because you feel your body better or you understand your body better when you do that stuff. So it's really what helps you be more conscious of your body, be more aware of your body or try it, or things that help you get out of your mind. Mm. because being stuck in your mind all day can be very very tiring and getting outside of your mind getting into the physicality of your body can really really help um like for me when whenever I've done like grounding techniques they usually like go "Ooh, feel your feet on the ground and I'm like when I when you close your eyes and I'm like when I close my eyes I feel like I'm floating in space I can't feel anything legit I don't know what the ground feels like like yeah, I, I could not tell you what the ground feels like right now. <laughs> so if feel if trying to be in tune with your environment doesn't help, try and be in tune with your body itself and how mm. that feels and specific parts. I think honing in on a specific part of your body can help a little bit. Um, also, another thing that I mentioned, sort of what like what we mentioned before, is sort of like something like the Pomodoro. Is that what it's called? technique I have no idea what that is it's the one where it's sort of like oh 25 minutes on 25 minutes off I don't know what that's called but I do know what you're talking about it starts with a p I think um anyway so sort of like breaking up the different tasks that you have to do setting short-term goal posts is really useful being like Mm -hmm. oh I accomplished something because I think if you just have like long-term goal posts it takes ages to get there and you might not even get there within like a session a single session so you feel really demotivated because you're like fuck I haven't even completed this one thing but recognizing it one thing as a bunch of little things that make up the one thing helps because you're like no I did do things today I didn't just sit around and like twiddle my thumbs um and making sure that you do have those buffer zones is very very useful just because like even if you have scheduled time off you might need more than that and it's sort of like learning while you're in that learning curve, having a buffer zone can help reduce the stress a little bit. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Another thing was removing yourself from stress inducing environments. I think it's really, really useful. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't know how much more I need to say on that, but 
yeah like yeah yeah just I, I don't it up just leave yeah. just get out <laughs> I have an idea <laughs> really what is it let's leave like yeah literally I I just reference TikTok audios now apparently but um like I think that yeah I think this one's really underrated sometimes I'm just like like they come I'm one of those people I'm really stubborn in that like I never want to give up on anything but sometimes I have to think of myself and I'm like Sinead it's not giving up like literally just walk away this is not worth your energy anymore yeah and it doesn't even have to be permanent you can just be like this is not worth my energy right now like if you're putting like 10 times the amount of energy into finishing an essay on one night that you would be putting in to finish it like the next day that is not worth your energy just walk away like yeah and that's completely fine sort of being like well you're not giving up you're not giving up you're giving yourself space you're giving yourself space to do better later and yeah reminding yourself that if you just keep going it might turn out shit and you might have to redo it in the morning and that's like even more wasted effort so reminding yourself that like if you're burnt out and you're trying to do something usually it doesn't turn out as well as if you took a break and then came back to it back to it 100 percent, yeah and being like this is a better use of my time because I will do better with and more efficiently thinking of it as being an efficiency thing I think Because a lot of the times you go like, well, I could just finish it tonight and then I don't have to worry about it tomorrow. But in terms of efficiency, you might actually be better off doing it tomorrow. Yeah. Um, And just removing yourself from places that give you stress because you've been staying there for so long trying to figure out how how to finish a task can be really, 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 really helpful. Especially now that we get like two hours of exercise outside. Like, I'm so that. excited about this I'm gonna do yoga yeah and like you don't have to exercise as well so you could just have a picnic just sit in the sun try and absorb some sun because now it's like towards the tail end of winter so make the use of it um yeah yeah I think we've I'm already so covered it this part but like listen to your mind and body for signs of burnout so when you start to feel unmotivated when you feel like you have to put in a lot of effort to try and like do something when you feel guilty for taking your breaks Mm. look out for signs like that if you're starting to get a headache from doing the one thing take a break listen like like your body and your mind know best and if it's feeling those signs of stress of strain then it's time to like stop yeah like legitimately I am like I mentioned this before but I am so stubborn I'm like I cannot take a break until I have done this like I must do this to I, to deserve break um but that's not true Sinead past Sinead you'll do better if you take a break I promise this makes me sound like I don't still do it present Sinead you'll do better if you take the break I promise and I think another way of thinking about it is not thinking that you that breaks are something to deserve Mm, yeah no Um, I have to like I have to tell myself that a lot yeah and reminding yourself that breaks are not something that you deserve but that are right like if you were to do like a job right Mm -hmm. like if you work in hospital I only I can only talk from hospital because I do hospital you have like you have a literal legally mandated break if you work a certain amount of hours so do the same for yourself like acknowledge it as like if I keep pushing myself and 
like breaks are not something I do, I need to work to deserve, etc. Mm. Like do a certain amount to deserve. They're an inherent part of the work, the Fair Work Act. Yeah. Like it is a right to have a break. Mm. You like, have a right you? to breaks. I, Otherwise, I, I, it's I unfair promise. labor. Yeah. Otherwise, it's I unfair promise. labor. And like, if you were a business, someone could sue you. So <laughs> don't do yeah. that to yourself. Yeah, legitimately. Like, union bitch in me says, take your break. They're deserved. They're deserved regardless of how much you get done. They're deserved because of the fact that you're doing something that requires a lot of energy, time, effort. They're deserved by the fact that you have a task that you're doing. And so part of having a task is having a break attached to it. And sort of attaching your breaks to the tasks themselves, I think really helps sort of thinking of them as a package deal. Like Mm. you don't get, like you don't have to finish the task to have a break because the breaks are inevitably part of your task. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah. A big one, ask for help and support. This is hard. It is really hard. Um, I wrote here on like a piece of paper, even if you don't think you might burn out, it's good to have measures in place so that if you do, it doesn't cause additional stress. So like what I like to do is even if I think I could push through, just ask for help and support anyway. Um, Mm. Preemptively being like, oh, I know this is a potentially stressful or burnout inducing task. I'm going to ask for help or be like, hey, guys, I might need some help later on. Um, so that you see those markers because it can be really hard when you're feeling that stress later on to be like oh now I have to go ask people and burden them if they're given a heads up then it can reduce stress for you having to ask them because you're like they already know that this is potentially coming yeah no 100% that's another thing as well like I find something that really helps is being super upfront about the fact that like I'm experiencing a little bit of burnout like with the people in my department at the moment, I was like, look, guys, I really apologize. I haven't been as active as I would like to be at the moment. I've been a little bit burnt out lately. And, you know, it's the same thing. Like a lot of the time this does tend to happen post burnout, but I've tried to start, like I've got a policy at the moment of trying to start doing it pre burnout is just being like, Hey, look, I have the potential to be like somewhat burnt out here. Like just a heads up like maybe I won't be but just in case I wanted to give you a heads up because like not only does that allow them to help me because I've got some really excellent people in my life but like it also takes a lot of anxiety away from me like if I do end up burning out like they can like it it, I don't have to worry about what they think of me like I have this constant anxiety that people don't think I work hard and like I think that you know like warning people about burnout kind of alleviate some of that anxiety for me like put a disclaimer put a disclaimer on yourself going like quick disclaimer um disclaimer um, I could be burnt out I could be super stressed from this and I might need to take breaks and just letting people be aware because then it makes you feel so much less guilty later on I think that's also like yeah I just wanted to mention this sorry this just like literally popped into my head there is no one in the world who won't burn out at some point. Like, you know, like I think that I, I just kind of wanted to say this because I know that like to people who don't know me as well as maybe you do, Kat, I think that I kind of give off this energy that I don't burn out because I don't kind of let a lot of people see me burn out. Like I kind of, I, I, I do tend to be quite 
private when I am burnt out, mostly just genuinely because when I'm burnt out, I don't really like interacting with people. I need to recharge my social battery. But like everyone burns out at some point. Like I am very lucky in that I'm prone, like I'm naturally able to work in high stress environments for longer without burning out. But I will still at some point burn out and there is no one in the world who doesn't. So don't look at someone and think, well, like they don't burn out. Like, why can't I be like them? This is my fault. Like, don't ever think that because literally everyone in the world will experience burnout at some point in their life. And a coping mechanism of burnout sometimes is pretending that you're not burnt out or trying your best to look, give up, keep up the appearances that you're doing really well and you're doing okay and you're not suffering at all and that you're not stressed because it can sort of you do it as a way to try and trick yourself into thinking no I don't have burnout and it helps you keep going on for longer but yeah everyone experiences burnout so also asking for help and support there's nothing to be ashamed about in doing that because everyone sort of especially in a uni environment everyone understands what it's like to be overwhelmed what it's like to be stressed yeah no telling them that like, hey, I might need help later on or asking for help isn't necessarily going to be admitting weakness to them because everyone has that same fucking weakness, right? Like, yeah. it's not going to be like, ooh, hee hee hee, now we can exploit this person. Um, it's sort <laughs> of like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I understand vaguely what you're going through because I also experienced burnout. We're in this together. Um, yeah. A big one, learning how to say no, Sinead. <laughs> Shut up. Stop. I want to hear <laughs> my housemate. About this one. My housemate actually got me a book last year. Um, and she's like, disclaimer, you might not like the contents of this book, but you really, really need it. And it's literally a book that says, learn how to say no. I think you just told me my Christmas present, Kat. <laughs> yeah, you can borrow it from me, honestly. Um, would recommend learning how to say no. Um, The book actually gives you quite a lot of examples of different ways to say no without saying no outright, because that can be a little bit hard. But learning to value yourself more than doing things. Like you are not the sum of the things you're able to accomplish. You're more than that, right? You're also your health. You're also your well-being. And so learning to say no to something so that you can say yes to other things, like looking after yourself is really important. So like sort of reframing what no means and if you say no to someone it's not necessarily you're giving saying no to someone upright as well or upfront also gives them the time and space to try and find someone else to fill your space Mm. um it means that you're not burdening them because they can find other people you are not their only source even if they try to guilt you into saying that like you're the only person who can do this you're not you're never the only person who can help them with whatever they need help with. And so it's okay to say no, because it gives them, it gives them a chance to find someone who has the capacity to do something for them. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And like, I, this is something I really struggle with for people who both know and don't know me. I think it becomes apparent pretty quickly that like, genuinely, I can't even find a way to spin this. Like I just really struggle to say no. Like I, have done many, many things that I maybe would have not wanted to do because I'm afraid to say no. And like, I don't, 
a lot of things like I kind of have or like a lot of other things that we've talked about on this podcast I kind of have advice on like how I've dealt with it and how I'm like trying to overcome it but I'm gonna keep it real with y'all chief I don't have any advice here I struggle quite badly with this one in particular um <laughs> I said like, yes. like I said yes to DJing for Queer Ball and when Queer Ball was set up to be scheduled I was literally going to go into surgery like two days beforehand but you know and after going through surgery um this is just on my feet nothing major um I was like I was out of action for a week and a half the pain was unbearable and the pain meds also made me so drowsy all I did was sleep for a week and a half so I wouldn't have I was just like how on earth did I think I would be able to pull that off also saying maybe sometimes like it's like sometimes not right yeah you can say not right not now because that's what me. you feel comfortable with because you don't want to eliminate the possibility of you doing it later on and that's perfectly fine but don't say maybe when you mean no mm. I find trouble saying that <laughs> because every time I'm like no in my head I'm just like I definitely don't want to do this I just say maybe or like uh yeah sure later and yeah. I just end up ghosting that responsibility and it makes everyone mad. If you mean no, yeah. say no. Like people won't get mad at you. And if they do, that's on them. That's not on you. Yeah. No one will be as mad at you for saying no as you think they will be, we promise. Yeah. Because it means, cool, that person's off my list. I'll try and find someone else to do that. Yeah. And like, if they really need you, they'll say, hey, look, I really need you. Like, that's something else that I find I, I think this kind of goes with the boundaries thing as well like I've kind of said to like people who are close to me in my life like if they really need me to be like I really need you because I'm not around all the time I'm one of those people who like I was actually talking to another friend Lucy about this um and we were like talking about this and we were saying she was saying how she's like a really awful texter and I'm exactly the same I'm really awful at responding to people because like that's like kind of setting that boundary and like saying like not right now is kind of part of how I look after myself and prevent burnout but then like I kind of have that set up so that like if people do need me they can be like Sinead I need you and then I will like respond to them which like I think is like also kind of helpful at least it is for me it can be a little bit helpful but also like recognize that helping other people shouldn't come at the expense of yourself it's something that I've been judging me a little bit (laughs) I'm not I'm not like you remind me of me at your age honestly because I'm a lot older than me and I'm like four years old Uh, (laughs) I'm an older woman um but like when I was in high school I really wanted to go on this trip to help tutor like um indigenous kids in this remote aboriginal community shout out I'm Bladderwich um but like my mum almost prevented me from going she's like Kat I'm gonna ban you from going if you don't learn to stop being so self, self-sacrificing. And I think that's really, really important to learn because it's, it's something I'm still learning because do I still do the same things? Yes. Do I know how to say no properly? No, <laughs> except then. But um, I think it's a learning curve and it can be very hard, but as long as you're actively listening to yourself in situations where you're offered to do something and you can say yes or no, sort of like taking a step back from the thing itself. 
um, even asking for a little bit of time so that you can think about it properly, I think it's really important not to just say like, yes, outright. If you're someone who has trouble saying no, just ask, be like, hey, would it be okay if like, I come back to you on this? So that it gives yeah. you time to actually properly assess whether you can do it and whether you're overcommitting or not, or whether it will cause you burnout. And like, if you say yes, ultimately, but feel like you might end up saying no later and feel guilty about that. What like I do sometimes um, give them a disclaimer, be like, I would love to, but just letting you know that I might feel burnt out because I'm also doing these other things so that the person can probably like assess whether they really need you or not as well. Cause some people don't mm. say that they really need you when they really need you. Yeah. No. 100%. So just being, yeah. So just being able to do that, I think is really helpful. Um, a second question that we had, we have two questions and we're getting through them really slowly. Um, I'm tips, for, tips for motivation during lockdown. Um, because lockdown's been extended for another two weeks, I think this is really, really prevalent. Um, yeah, so I also wrote down a list for this thing. Um, setting up a reward system. So every time you complete a mini task, set yourself a reward, whatever you feel good, having so sometimes for people it's like oh I'll give myself a bath or I'll treat myself to like uber eats some people do uber eats or sometimes it's food food, sometimes it's other things or you could be like we all have a little yeah we all have a little version of us inside our brains and like little Sinead runs my brain and so I have to like make sure little Sinead is happy and then I can get my work done yeah think of it as like feeding yourself after a lot of exercise like it's a necessary thing sort of having rewards in place to make sure that you are able to keep going it also like helps your dopamine receptors being like fuck yeah dopamine and sometimes or like just even having a box to check I like having boxes to check because yeah I love taking things off a list I feel so accomplished that feels like a reward to me is just being able to tick the box. But like, regardless of what it is, make sure you have something that makes you feel like, yes, I've finished this. I've completed something. Um, and that sends that signal to your brain where you're like, yeah, I completed something. Um, every time you finish something or even a little small task, because I think that's really good way of keeping yourself motivated. Um, I already said thinking of your life as a video game. Um, splitting long-term goals into smaller ones. We've already mentioned that as well. A lot of the general um, tips and tricks for dealing with burnout can sort of be applied to having motivation, I think. Um, Having a bit of a lockdown study moment. Yeah. Having study sessions with friends is really good. Um, I know a lot of like online communities at the ANU, like the ADHD collective, um, do these sort of study sessions. I know... A new women's department does them as well. Um, A lot of colleges slash residential halls will have them. Um, So just like trying to set up study sessions with friends. They don't even have to be in the same like class as you, but having a time scheduled with someone to sit down and do something can help keep you accountable and make make sure that like you're there for the task. Yeah, no, 100%. I... Um, this is where my roommate comes in a lot we kind of try and schedule our studies for like a similar period so we can both just like because we share like a big long desk we just kind of like 
try and sit down together and do it because like if both of us are studying like we kind of have the opposite thing to you Kat if like both of us are studying you know we're more likely to get work done whereas like if one of us is doing something else it's gonna be like what are you doing (laughs) yeah that's fair I like it when other people are doing other things because it puts less stress on me when I'm studying (laughs) and then I can feel accomplished by being better than them (laughs) I don't know if that makes sense. It's why I like studying in like Marie Ray, for instance. Like, yeah, I feel like I Marie, Marie Ray, because everyone else, like, n- some people are studying, but most of the time, people are just there to like chat with your friends, right? Um, yeah. So I like just being there, like, oh, I'm better than you. Look at me studying, <laughs> <laughs> which can be a te- tactic for some other people, sort of like making a competition with yourself and other people. What's your but, star sign, Kat? Guess. I feel like that that's a very fire sign trait, but I don't think you're a fire sign. You like I'm not a, a fire sign. I don't have fire sign personality. Are you like a Scorpio? No, I'm Scorpio rising though. <laughs> oh, I'm proud of that. Actually, yeah. I'm really proud of that. I'm All a right. double Hair color suggests you are an air sign. <laughs> it I does. I was going to say hair color are an air sign um I'm a double Aquarius yeah that checks out actually it checks out a lot I like to be different from everyone else that actually actually does qualify for the like look at me studying (laughs) it's like look at me be different from everyone else and better than them um the way that I like (laughs) to describe Aquarius is, is sort of like they're the sign that goes like I'm not like other girls I'm worse. I'm unique. <laughs> I'm different. I'm an individual. Yeah. Um, Aquarius is individuality complex, but they're also some of the coolest people you will ever meet. Thank you. Am I, am, am I one of them? Yes. I've been told I'm cool sometimes and it's so weird because I'm like, I'm literally so lame. I'm so lame. All I do is like sleep and watch really shitty movies that get like 10% on Rotten Tomatoes. No, but those are the best movies. They are. My favourite movies, though, are, like, the highly critically acclaimed ones because of cinematography (laughs) and music scores. I really look for the movies, not for the plot, but how they shoot the movies. I love a movie that just... I'm I'm a big fan. This might go against your values a little bit, but I'm always a fan of, like, a movie that is just, like, nothing, absolutely no plot, nothing at all, but just has really great production value. It's just, like, really pretty. Like, the example I'm specifically thinking of is that remake of Murder on the Orient Express that had, like, absolutely no... real value or contribution to society at all but it had like this star-studded cast and like a massive budget and it was just so pretty and I was like oh I love this (laughs) yeah I'm really driven by how they go about filming so like Mm. I really liked um I forgot what it was called but it was just really artsy art house one um on Netflix and it was about this it was told from this woman's perspective and it's like everything's okay or something like that and it was really really well shot and I really love movies that go into that I really hate like one of my least favorite genres hot take is action because I feel like they really slack on how they film it and Mm. on the film score they kind of just rely on the fact that you'll go see it because you see some like like you'll see Vin Diesel in a car battling someone 
Like, I don't find that because <laughs> they just, like, really rely on the fact that they have celebrities to have, like... Action stuff. movies, similar, but opinion, I think. Action movies, for me, are so good to put on as, like, background noise because yeah. they also have, like, a kind of relatable formula. Like, you can kind of apply the formula of any action movie to any other action movie, which means I don't really have to pay attention to watching them, which means they're really good study background noise for me. I feel like rom-coms are sort of similar as well. I feel like most movies follow... Yeah, I love love and then I get caught up in the rom-com. <laughs> Me too. But um, <laughs> I find that, like, it's really easy to see... Like, movies are really formulaic. Around the 30, 40-minute left mark. So we have 30 to 40 minutes left of a movie. That's when they introduce the main crux of the problem and that's when the main characters stop talking to each other and they start mo- being moody and really sulky and, like... We haven't seen each other in, we won't talk to each other for like weeks. And yeah. like that's the major conflict usually happens around then. So I usually tune in around then because I'm like, now I know this is the main thing that's going on. This like, is the important then, bit. Yeah. Like up until then, they're still building like, oh, we're strangers. Let's try and get to know each other. Ooh, we sort of like each other. We have a little bit of a tiff, but that's fine. That's like a fake problem within our relationship but we get back together easy peasy but then the main conflict happens around the 30 40 minute mark left yeah and I find that really useful just knowing the formulas for things and just going like okay every time I tune in I know exactly where I am in this thing (laughs) we went on to movies so much so quickly yeah I feel like we should probably and try to start wrapping up yeah um but what style sign are you I am a Pisces sun because, of course, I am. Um, I am a Libra moon. Yeah, I'm a Pisces sun. I'm a Libra moon and I'm a Virgo rising. You're literally zero fire and I can see that. Yeah, I have no fire in my chart at all, like other than my Pluto, because like everyone in our generation has a Sagittarius Pluto. That's the only fire in my chart. I have like no fire. I have five Aquariuses in my chart. Yeah. Um, You give off an Aquarius sort of vibe. (laughs) And, like, the weirdest part is, like, I used to be, like, star signs, astrology is bullshit. But then I found out there's more things to it. Like, there's different houses, depending on different houses. And there's a lot more facets to it. We're going to this astrology rant just really quickly. Um, Yeah, yeah. Finding out about houses, finding out about the different planets, I think, really and the different degrees as well I think make it feel more legit for some reason and the other thing as well I was gonna say you know you want to know the legit one thing that made me believe in astrology yeah house perfection years google it so in terms of like when you were born every year of your life you're going through a cycle like in the 12 you know stages of your life and like you go through each house perfection year and like it will bring a different sort of fortune to you and it's like so relatable like I'm in my eighth house perfection year at the moment and god is it relatable like I just look back on this and I'm like fuck this is so true and like I don't know it probably won't help anyone out there who's like a diehard kind of anti-astrology person as I was already like I was brought up in a house that was very like witchy and kind of like astrology But um, yeah, like I literally, my plan, should I not get elected, is I'm going to start Star Society next year um, because ANU needs an astrology society. 
It does. It does. Like, there's so much to discuss in terms of that. Like, I used to hate star signs because I have the same one as my dad. And I'm like, I don't want to be like my parents. He, he, he. Um, but like my entire life, I've been told that I'm too altruistic, too humanitarian. I literally hugged trees because I felt bad for them. Um, and I would talk <laughs> to them as well because I was like, they must be really lonely. I'm going to like make friends with trees. Um, really quirky little. I think little cat and little Sinead would have been friends. They That's something I would have done. They definitely would have. Um, and like my dad, my entire life, has been like you're a humanitarian tree hugging individual you're so individual you're so unique blah 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 he's literally listing every single Aquarius trait and going like this is you cat trait <laughs> and I'm like no it's not because then it's you too but he has a Scorpio moon so we're different yeah no and you I'm also would probably have different placements and different houses mm-hmm. and yeah no so sun signs are like the broadest thing ever and most of the time you won't 100% relate to your sun sign like for example one of the traits of Pisces sun signs is that we're creative and artistic I'm not fucking creative and artistic I'm like one of the most analytical people I know I'm the worst person at any form of art that I know I have no is that your Virgo speaking yes 100% yes it is um and yeah you know like I'm not creative or artistic at all but you know I have like like Pisces are often considered to be like you know like they have like like they're quite I don't know like sentimental and you know like a lot of feelings they have a lot of feelings but also they're like because so I'm not sure how much you know about astrology but Aries is the first house of the zodiac and Pisces is the 12th house of the zodiac so Pisces is often considered to be like not like flex or anything but like Pisces is often considered to like have you know like somewhat of like an old soul kind of like weary mantra and also like have a little bit of like all the like lives you've lived before like so like you know it's kind of like this holistic old soul coming to an end thing which like I feel like that's kind of the vibe I give off like a little bit it's like know. half that but it's also like half I'm baby Pisces yeah really that, like- those are the two that's the two extremes of Pisces and that's exactly where I live yeah like I don't know where Aquarius is but Aquarius is just like fuck you guys I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want Um, I go halfway between being like I'm so old and wise and I'm baby please hug me yeah I'm just like fuck emotion and also like I don't know how to deal with this emotion so it's like (laughs) mass emotion overload where I'm just like freaking out because I don't know how to deal with it because like Aquariuses don't deal with emotion very well I feel like we get classed a lot as like aliens or like (laughs) robots with our feelings but I think it's more so that we like to deal with logic and so having emotions doesn't fit well with that and so we don't know how to deal with them so we're just like we're just going to pretend we don't have emotion because we have a lot of emotion that we don't know how to deal with so we're just going to chuck it to the side but the the emotion's still there see where I was like I'm so emotion like driven this kind of comes back to like this learn to say no thing as well but Mm -hmm. like I wasn't going to mention it before so like content warning I guess Sinead's inner thoughts which can kind of be a bit depressing um <laughs> but content warning, um, your thoughts. content warning my thoughts um <laughs> but um yeah like I kind of have this belief that the reason we're on like people are always like what is the great question of existence like why are we here and I kind of have an answer to that my answer is 
I think we're here to do good for other people and do right by other people and we're here to cherish our relationships with other people and like that's the most extrovert answer I've ever heard but like that's genuinely what I believe like I think you know like we are, we exist to have relationships with others and you know like you know fulfill parts and others lives and stuff like that and that's part of the reason why I find it so hard to say no is it kind of goes against this like core life philosophy that I hold but that core life philosophy that I hold also allows me to be very in touch with like my interpersonal kind of side of things and my like emotions and everything which is also quite good I guess yeah um so yeah I think that'd be a very nice note to wrap up on I think that is help others help others yeah and helping yourself is also helping others because that means you can be better there yeah and you can be there for other people it also means that you don't ask as much of them as you would if you weren't looking after yourself etc um I think it's very important just to recognize that when other people also want to help you as much as you want to help them and so if you're suffering by trying to help them it's not really helping them Mm -hmm. 100 yeah okay all righty Love this. Love you. I'm going to stop the recording now. All right. We'll see you guys. We'll see you guys in like two weeks, I think. We might do some mini sessions. Take a a burnout break. Yeah. Like we might host some live stream sessions in between on Instagram or something. We just have like random chats, but it's not a full on episode. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. Come ask us questions. Yeah. Please. We love company. Alrighty.